Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as ever by my partner, friend, and founder of Startups.com, Will Schroeder. Will, it's no secret that in the life of a founder, we make tons and tons and tons of sacrifices, right? What might be a secret is that it's a secret to pretty much everybody else, right? <laughs> and that we don't necessarily get the type of return that we might expect from this sacrifice. We have these conversations all the time with founders, but I think you had one fairly recently that I think would be a cool jumping off point for this episode because I think it illustrates sort of the entire spectrum of, of where we get this wrong as founders in terms of our expectation around what that return on sacrifice should look like. Well, sure. So a lot of founders, you know, at some point, uh, especially if they've raised money, I, th I think this is usually a thing. They're looking at the cap table or they're looking at their life situation. And a few things invariably come to mind. And I think there's kind of no way around this. One is so far down the cap table, and I'm 100% vested, that at this point, it doesn't really buy me a ton to, you know, keep moving forward. Yeah. And so they're thinking about, you know, hey, you know, maybe I should go do something else. And that's just a catalyst for this discussion. The real discussion is, Okay, so I look around and I feel guilty because I feel like all of these people that I've brought along in this journey, I owe debt to, right? Significant debt. I owe it to the investors, you know, because, because they backed me. I owe it to my staff because obviously, you know, they were willing to be part of this journey. You know, in some cases, depending on the relationships, I owe it to my customers, you know, I owe it to partners, all these different people. Yeah, your spouse, your friends, your family, all the people who have in some way, shape or form supported you through this because it takes a village to raise a founder, right? You bet. All right. So before we get into this next topic, I just want to let you know what we talk about here is like 1% of the conversation. You know, really, this conversation is going on all day long online at groups.startups.com, where Ryan and I pretty much talk endlessly with founders about every one of these topics. So if by the end of this discussion, you like the topic and you want to dig into it a little bit more with Ryan and I, just head to groups.startups.com and we'll pick it up from there. Right. You bet. And what's interesting is if you're one of those people, you likely don't have a lot of touch points to all the other people. The founders are in a unique spot where they actually have a relationship with every aspect of the company, right? You know, if I'm employee number 200, I may only have two relationships. But if I'm the founder, I have 200 employees. So I have 200 relationships, right? So there's a lot of exponentiality to it. And so this one founder in particular, this is actually pretty recently, was saying, look, I'm in a point where logically I should probably be moving on. But emotionally, I just don't think that I can. You know, I've got so much connected to all of these other people and I owe them such an incredible debt for the time they've put in. Right, right. And so I basically sat across from him. I said, yeah, but do they feel the same way? Yeah. You feel like you owe them, but do they feel like they owe you anything in return? Right. Well, think about what the contracts for those debts looked like, right? They were one-sided handshakes, right? <laughs> you shook hands with the sacrifice on their behalf without them knowing or agreeing or deciding what the value of that sacrifice was to them, right? And, and so this is where it starts to get a little twisted because they don't see it the same way you do. And with good reason, they can't. Right. The way I described it to him, and I, I use this term a lot, I said, you've created a phantom debt. You've created this debt that you feel like you owe all of these people. But incidentally, none of them feel the same way. And if you really, really, really dissected it, and you looked at each individual person that you think you have this phantom debt, phantom contract with, do you really think if the ship goes down, 
they're not going to be jumping on the first life raft while you ride it to the bottom of the ocean. Exactly. No. And here's the thing. He actually, you know, as we're having this discussion, you could see his, his mind was going, right? And he's pretty torn up about this as anyone would be. And he just stops and he says, shit, no one feels the same way. And I was like, okay, well, and stick with that for a second. Think of how much debt you've created for yourself without ever doing the math to see if anybody else had the same contract you did. And that was a turning point. Right. The answer is no. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a horrible position to be in from an emotional standpoint. You know, you just feel completely gutted at that point. Right. Coming to that realization helps. Right. That it's like, OK, well, I shouldn't have that expectation. Doesn't make the position feel that much better. But I think that at least at that point, you've got some understanding that like this isn't out of malice. This isn't out of neglect or they, they don't care. They're just not tethered to the business in the same way that the founder is. You know, to your point, if, if you're employee number 200, you've got a couple of the threads and a little bit of time attaching you to this thing. If you're the founder, you are literally woven into the fabric of this business and, and all of the outcomes directly impact you, right? All the sacrifices that you've made over time, by the way, which employee 200 wasn't there to see any of. Right. They weren't there when you were, you know, scraping together the change out of your couch cushions in your college dorm to find the money to kick this thing off. Right. They were there after this was a mid-sized revenue company that looked like it had all of its shit figured out. Probably not true, but they didn't see all that initial sacrifice. Right. They weren't even there when the debt was accrued. And so therefore trying to have some expectation around their acceptance of that debt or even recognition of it is a fallacy, right? We just can't do that. Unfortunately, we do feel all the debt and we were there for all of it. So for us, it's very visceral, very real, but nobody else around us has the collective picture to, to another point that you made. Some of them will, right? Some of the investors will, will have understood some of the sacrifices that you've put in. Some of the early employees will have an idea of some of the sacrifices, right? Particularly the ones that also involve them. Anything outside their direct sphere of influence or contact is not fair game for any level of expectation from the founder on that individual, right? And collectively, everybody may have some percentage of the debt, but they're certainly not going to understand the entire sacrifice you've made. In nearly 30 years of doing this and, and having worked with well over a thousand people and putting massive investments in time and capital, et cetera, into a lot of relationships, I can honestly say I can maybe count on one hand the times I felt like I was ever even repaid a little. Right. And I'm not even saying like full repayment. And again, the fallacy isn't that I wasn't repaid. The fallacy was thinking that that somebody owed me a debt to begin with. So I just want to recognize that. But founders listening to this and they're saying to themselves, huh, well, I've got five people on my team and, you know, we, we all love each other and we work really hard and, you know, we're down for each other and all those things. Maybe. Right. It probably feels that way now because you haven't gone into a bunch of shit yet. Not the way you will over time, right? Try running out of money for six months and see how many people are on the other side of that. By the way, I'm not saying they should be. Yeah, that's the other side of it. Right? The investment there isn't the same. The sacrifice isn't the same. Because we're the founders, because you know we have this massive upside and equity and everything else in this, we're willing to sacrifice more. And that's totally fair. Right. But, but to your point, I think we think of our sacrifice and their sacrifice very differently right? What we're willing to do is eons beyond, <laughs> beyond what they're willing to do. And more importantly, more importantly, if things go sideways, they'll get another job tomorrow because they can. Their relationship is fluid. 
right? Same with investors. If things go sideways, most investors have 20, 50, 100 other investments to move on with. That's right. They've got other things to think about, right? We've got one. Again, we are completely tethered to this thing. Everybody else has some tangential connection to it. And it's an important point to consider, right? Because as you think about how that impacts you, and, and particularly the decisions that you make based on, right? And I think this is where it gets dangerous. So if you're in this position now where you're starting to think about how much is my team willing to sacrifice on my behalf, right? And this is a team we can use collectively, like everybody around you. It's really important to consider. And I can literally hear some of you thinking, but they've been through all this hard stuff with me, right? It's always hard. That may be true. The start is always hard, but here's the difference between, there, there are different types of hard things, right? There's the hard things of like, let's figure out how to get to market. Let's figure out how to launch that product. Let's figure out how to get those first few customers, right? And those feel good to run through, right? It's hard, right? And it's, it's a lot of work. And there are sacrifices made by everybody at those points to like push this boulder up the hill. Now, when the boulder starts to slide sideways um, because you're out of money, that's a very different hard thing to go through, right? There are challenges that are not the kind where everybody wants to run through them with you and feel like a hero, right? And so I think that you really have to be careful as you do the calculus on what is everybody else's sacrificial input going to look like? It's going to be exponentially different than yours in the wrong direction, right? It's to your point, right? Six months after running out of money, it's a pretty empty ship at that point, right? It's you and a bunch of debt and all the sacrifice that we've been talking about packed into whatever's left of the boat, right? And that's about it. There's also dramatically different friction, right? So if you, me, or Elliot, or you know, some other folks on our team leave, it has dramatic impact because it affects so many people, right? Conversely, if people on those teams leave, it doesn't affect anybody, right? In other words, their friction is just so different. And so just, I want to build on that for just a second. What we forget is that, again, we're willing to invest all this sacrifice and we have. And they're willing to sacrifice as well, you know? But let's let's not be like ignorant of the fact that if someone on the team gets a 30% higher um, offer somewhere else, they're gone. Yeah, that reduces the friction for them to leave real quick. Yeah, so well, what I'm saying is like, they're not going to sit there and go, nope, I'm not going to take any money from anyone else or you know, advance my career whatsoever because I'm willing to sacrifice for this company. Now, to be fair, everyone thinks that. Everyone thinks like, man, I could just as soon be getting paid more somewhere else. And at startups, that's usually pretty true, right? <laughs> to be fair. But what I'm trying to say is, everyone else is going to be looking out for themselves. No one's going to be creating this sacrificial debt that we create as the founders, Right. And some of the debt I feel is legit. I mean, founder debt, right? Where we're saying, yeah, those people, you know, did sacrifice for us. or the investors did sacrifice for us. And there is a debt to be repaid. I actually do agree with us, you know, repaying what they've invested, right? But what I don't agree with is thinking that all of them feel the same way. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, it's, it's a unidirectional sort of debt. Yeah, right. And if we announce tomorrow to 200 plus people that we don't know if we're going to make payroll, Right. Which, by the way, you know, is one of those things where if that's the case, everyone should leave. Yeah. But if I were to announce tomorrow, hey, Ryan, you and I aren't going to get paid. I'm like, oh, that sucks. You know, like yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. But we'll be around. Right. It ain't the same thing. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons. Right. But at its core, we're willing to make sacrifices that other people aren't willing to make. And they don't feel indentured to us in any way, shape or form. Yet, as founders, we indenture ourselves 
in the most bizarre ways, you know? <laughs> Absolutely true. I mean, some of them are necessary, but yeah, some of them are quite bizarre. Some of, again, some of it's inescapable and, you know, we have to do these things, right? Like if we want to see, you know, cash flow positivity, we may have to take the pay cut as the founder, right? We cannot expect everyone else to do that because they don't have the agency to recover that, right? I think that's, that's one of the things that really comes back to and why we can't expect them to make the same sacrifices because they don't get to decide and they don't have enough control over when that debt may be recovered or if it ever will, right? As the founders, we are operating under the assumption that these sacrifices do have a payoff and that we are the ones with agency and control over making that happen, right? The eternal optimist in us tells us, it's okay, I'm gonna take this hit now, it'll pay me back later, or this is what's required to keep going, even if I'm uncertain about the payoff, this is what it takes to keep our momentum or just to even keep moving at all, right? And so a huge difference between that and employee 200, he's like, hey, sorry, you're gonna need to take a 50% pay cut for the next two months. They're not thinking, they'll probably make that up. They'll take really good care of me. They'll probably you know, invest some more equity for me. They'll do some really cool things. They're thinking, holy shit, I'm gonna have to get paid half for two months and they're probably gonna go under in the third. I'm out of here, right? So like the signals and the agency- And I'm, and I'm okay with that, by the way. I mean, like- Right, we have to be. We have to be okay with that. Yeah, exactly. But what I see over time in every founder is that we start to create, like I said, this phantom debt, but we create this pact that I have to, to service all of these people no matter what happens to me. And that the, no matter what happens to me, my health, my wealth, my relationships and everything apparently have have almost you know no limit because I've created this pact. Right. And yet no one else feels that same thing. Right. No one else is like, I'm going to destroy my my health, wealth and uh, in relationships for Will or Ryan's sake. Right. I mean, again, it's so exponential for us. The hard part, though, and what we're really getting at, though, is getting out of it. Right. Think of how many founders probably listening right now are in a situation where all the stuff going on around them is unhealthy at so many levels. Right. At so many levels. And yet we're like, we can't leave. We can't take ourselves out of this situation. And it's like, is that true? Like, no, we owe it to all these people. Do you really think all those people are really OK with you killing yourself to get there? And if they are. Fuck them. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I've got a pretty specific response for that. Or like, well, you've got two choices, Ryan, ride or die, right? Well, uh, that's not true. Yeah. And so, you know, again, let's go back to the reciprocity for a second, because I, I think that's, you know, one of the core pieces. And I think when we were talking to founder and we said, run through your list, you know, I, I always make everything into a spreadsheet, make a spreadsheet, list all those people you're worried about, you know, that you feel indentured to and be really honest and say, if they were in your situation, would they do the same? Would they you know, run themselves into the ground for you? How many yeses were in that column? <laughs> I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to keep coming back to this. I don't think they should have to run themselves into the ground. By the way, same reason. I don't feel like you should run yourself into the ground. <laughs> right? No one on that list, hopefully, is saying, hey, Ryan, I know this is destroying your life. I know this is the worst decision for you and your family but you have to keep doing it. When has that ever happened, right? Like I'm trying to think of a situation where somebody came and imposed this on a founder. I'm sure it's happened. So there's probably somebody listening who's going, yeah, no, my investors came and told me I had to do this or I had to do that. And yet, like, I would say that has to be in the vast, vast minority. One of the other things that's really important to consider in all of these sacrifices is this is self-imposed. 
That's what I'm saying. Right, right. We right. did this, right? We chose this. We did this. At best, the people around us could say like, hey, why are you doing this to yourself? Right, but put yourself in the investor's shoes. If they see you putting in longer hours and kind of wearing yourself down, but you're accomplishing stuff and they feel like, you know, you're just throwing yourself at it, are they really going to step in, most of them, and say like, hey, maybe you should take a couple weeks off or hey, maybe we should slow things down. Hey, maybe we should grow a little slower. And again, yes, that has happened, right? But again, vast minority. Going back to a whole bunch of points we made earlier around whether they have the visibility, whether it's in their own interest, you know, can they even tell that you're making the sacrifice or the piece of the sacrifice that they see, the one thing that they see may not add up to this huge burden that you're actually bearing. And so they're not going to have enough signal to go, shit, slow down, stop doing what you're doing. You're going to kill yourself. Right. And we want to see this through. Just stick with that. Um, that's the point. Yeah. Look, they made their own spreadsheet of how much has Will and Ryan sacrificed, or more specifically, you know, the negative trajectory that they're on. Yes. Who in good faith would be like, oh, yeah, keep doing that. By all means, you owe me. Nobody. Right? Like, kill yourself. You owe me. Right? No one is saying that. Exactly. I feel like founders, over time, we become the elephant with the, the chain on their leg. Yeah. And over time, you just don't need the chain anymore. Right. Because I, I, no one put it on there. And it's just like this, this phantom shackle. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you just, you pretend, I guess I can't leave. I guess I can't do this. Here's a funny thing. You know, we acquired six companies. In each of those cases, I had the same conversation with the founders. And it made sense. The founders like, look, I owe all these people. It's a very noble thing to feel. Right. So again, I'm not trying to like necessarily say, don't feel like you owe anybody anything. I'm saying there's a limit. Right. There is a point at which that debt doesn't make sense. But here's how it played out. They all said, I want to do well by my staff. I want to do well by my investors, et cetera. In the end, I can do well. That would be great too. And I don't think that they were being immodest or you know anything else like that. I, I think they were basically saying, hey, at this point, I want to take care of everybody else. If I make a little bit, great. But if I don't, not the end of the world. I'm not going to kill the deal, right? Right. Yeah, it is. But here's what happened in every single case. No one cared, Right. All the investors talked about. I never got a single investor. This is over, Ryan, was it 60 investors right across all the deals that we did? 60 different firms? Yeah, or, or in angels in some cases. Not a single one reached out to me during all of these incessant negotiations and said, you know what? I really want to make sure the founder gets taken care of. You're never, right? They didn't, they didn't care less, right? Uh, if anything, it was the opposite. If anything, they were like, you know, how am I getting mine? Now, to be fair... That's also kind of their job, but it's why they got into it, right? Right. It wasn't that they were just like, I have this extra stack of money sitting over here. It looks silly there. It's blocking my view out my window. I should give it to somebody to build a business, right? They did it with an intent of a return, right? So, yeah. So that's their job. I'm not knocking them for it. What I'm creating here is some perspective, right? When it comes to the time where you think everyone's going to treat you right, right? And everyone's going to be thinking about you and all your sacrifice. They will not. No one will give a shit, right? But take that a step further. I think that, you know, and this probably comes from, I was listening to, uh, and I want to get too metaphysical here, but I was listening to some stuff on ego last night and it's fairly timely, right? Because it was talking about, you know, the ego being that voice in your head, right? And I think as founders, we end up accidentally absorbing a whole bunch of other egos, right? On behalf of nobody that asked us to, which is to say that we start to hear these other voices in our head, right? So it's not even like, I think you were talking about, you know, do we have the expectation that they're going to try to take care of us when the time comes? 
Um, I think in a lot of cases, we're worried about the opposite, right? It's all of the founders that we dealt with, right? They were saying, you know, I want to make sure I take care of my investors because they're hearing that voice of that investor chirping in their ear. Here's the thing. They made up that dialogue, right? We make up that dialogue. Those are not their words. Those are not their thoughts. Those are not their desires. We've invented all of that, right? And think of the cost of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we're killing ourselves over imaginary voices in our heads from people who don't actually care. Not that they don't care, but they're not imposing this stuff on us the way we are on their behalf without them knowing. Sounds kind of stupid, right? <laughs> like, because it is. We're so hypersensitive to everybody else's welfare, while conversely, no one's particularly concerned about our own, right? Now, again, part of that's our job right? It's part of our duty to be able to take care of the investor, to be able to take care of the staff. Like, you know, that's, that's, again, that is part of our job. But to your point, I think we glamorize the reciprocity of that relationship. Oh, big time. If I take care of the investors, you know, they're going to appreciate everything that I did. No, they won't. I mean, maybe tangentially, you know, maybe you'll get a high five or a coffee someday. <laughs> There's going to be a statue built in a fountain in their yard at their, at their investor palace, right? Like, yeah, no, like, and so in, from the employee standpoint, all the employees we talked to when we acquired these different companies, none of them were saying, hey, I just want to make sure that, you know, insert founder name is well taken care of here. No one cared, right? Other than what are they getting paid so I can kind of compare my rate or what I'm getting paid against Sure, them. sure. Again, incredibly selfish. And I'm not knocking them for it. Like there's a time and a place for that. And on exit, that's probably the time and the place for that discussion. They were employees, not volunteers, right? This wasn't the, the la resistance where we, we all signed up to do something fundamentally that we believed in. Hopefully that, that also exists. But the first thing that they fundamentally believed in is that we were going to pay them for the work and there would be compensation, right? And there would be, there would be beneficial outcomes for them, right? That's why people go to work. So that should be the expectation that we have. But here's what happened in every single case. Everyone was 100% concerned about themselves, right? And by the way, that's fine. I'm not knocking their position. What I'm saying is as the founder, kind of helps to be cognizant of that fact, right? When you get to the goal line here, no one's going to be worried about where you're standing. They're going to be worried about where they're standing, right? And so the founder needs to step back. This founder that you know, we've been using in this discussion, but founders in general, and just do a sanity check to say, yes, I do have an obligation to take care of folks. But guess what? I also have an obligation to take care of myself. Right. And that's the one that we completely forget about, right? The person who has accrued the most debt and the most sacrifice through all of this is usually the last one on our mind. And that doesn't pass the sanity check, right? That just doesn't. The way I always look at it and you know, kind of what I counsel, even the founders that we are acquiring with, you know, when we do acquisitions, I always tell the founder, look, all I care about is your welfare here. Like, obviously, I want to be able to do a good deal, but I care about founders more than anything. And so I'll tell you what's going on in my head. You don't have to guess, you know, so I'm trying to take that off the table, but I'll also give you a bunch of questions you may not be asking, right? So you can kind of see around the corners with some of these things. Cause I've seen this a million times. This may be the only time you've ever done it. So let me just kind of give you the answers to the test and how this thing goes. You know, here's all the things you're going to be pissed off about, right? That you didn't get what you thought you did. Here are all the, the conversations you're about to have that you don't realize how you're, you're about to have. And here's kind of how they'll probably go. And when I first lay that out for folks, they're very suspicious. They're like, that's some weird negotiating tactic. It feels like a trap, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's because it's, it's, it's so bizarre. And then as it unfolds, they start to realize that all the things that I was saying 
actually happened, not because I've got some like, you know, uh, sixth sense, just because these are the way things tend to go. We've done this before. And they start to scratch their head going, okay, he wasn't actually just playing some weird mind game with me. Like he was actually saying, I should worry about this stuff because as a founder, kind of what you go through. So in a lot of times deals don't happen. So my whole thing is if this deal happens or doesn't happen, I still want to have a relationship with you. Exactly. Right. If it doesn't happen, I want to make sure we're on good terms. And if it does happen, we're married for life. So I also want to make sure we're on good terms. Definitely worth investing in the relationship. For sure. You know, by the way, I just want to mention if what we're talking about today sounds like the kind of discussion you wish you were having more often. You actually can. You know, we're online all day, every day, working through exactly these types of topics with founders just like you. So any question you would have or maybe some problem you just want to work through, we're here and we love this stuff. And we're easy to find. You know, head over to groups.startups.com and let's just start talking. But here's the thing. I think a healthy exercise for founders is to zoom out and say, while I do owe something to a bunch of folks, I need to recognize that they don't feel the same, which, which allows me in good conscience to say, hmm, maybe I do need to think about my own welfare. And for so many founders, and Ryan, I think you'd appreciate this, this is a foreign concept. Yeah, it's the last thing on their minds. Right. The last thing on their minds, I've got a whole bunch of friends that are somewhere between year seven to 12, right? Which at that point, you're so burnt out, right? You're fried, even if things are going well. And talk about tethered to the business at that point, right? Like you are locked. Here are all the things that I can't do right now, right? Mentally, they believe they can't do it. I can't buy a house because I put everything into the company. I can't take distributions, you know, whatever. I can't start a family. I can't take a vacation. You, know, you name every life event and there's an I can't in front of it, right? It's painful. And the truth is they've created the shackle, right? That they believe that they can't do it. They owe it to all these people. Even if things are going south and they know the company is going to fold, they're going to kill themselves for that entire last year trying to make good on, on everything that they wanted to do. I did. Minimize the impact to everyone else which is noble and it's a cool thing to do and I get it, but you can take it too far, right? There is a, a line we have to draw. You know what's cooler than being noble? Being alive, being healthy, being sane, right? Way cooler than being noble. But here's the thing, you know, you mentioned this earlier. No one said to us, I want you to be super unhealthy and dig this grave for yourself. <laughs> right. No one said that. And yet we never drew the line to say, okay, this is about as far as I'm willing to take it, right? And frankly, if we did, if we went to all those constituents and we said, look, you know, here's where I'm at. Like, I'm so overloaded in debt. I'm stressed out as can be. I'm going through a divorce because of this, you know, you name it, right? No one would be like, ah, tough, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no one would say that. Here's a sword, go fall on it, right? Like, it's not happening. I mean, I did it to myself. You know, I got to a point where I was killing myself and it wasn't until my wife like pulled me aside and like, this is horrible. Like, what are you doing? And she forced me by way of that conversation to analyze all the players in this situation. And I think, and again, this wasn't their fault. I think what I did, Ryan, I think I vilified all of these folks. And these are my friends. I mean, again, this is, this is a weird way to say it, but I pictured this version of them that never existed, that had this secret conversation like you were talking about, right? Where there was like, no, you, you know, you, you have to push this. You made a commitment, all these things. 
And instead, I just started having those conversations with, with all these villains, right? You know, that, that I thought were part of this, this drama. And no one said anything like that. <laughs> You're having imaginary conversations with your real friends, right? It's as weird as it sounds. You know, on the topic of, of a company failing, they range from, yeah, you do need to pull yourself out of this to, you know, I actually don't care. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay. It's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum of where we generally picture that landing as founders, right? Which is that they're going to, you know, you know, go red faced and scream and spit vitriol, right? Like it just doesn't happen, right? Again, no one else is as connected to this, right? Even the investors who have put in money, right? They know that a lot of these aren't going to work out, right? That's why it is what it is, right? It's investing with the potential for return, right? It's not a T-bond from the government, right? It's not a guaranteed return. And we've talked about this in other episodes. Their expectations are very different than what we think they are, right? For us, they're the only investor we have, or they're the only group of investors we have. And so we represent 100% of the value. We're probably 2% of their portfolio, right? doesn't matter. It's not life-changing for them, whereas it is life-changing for us, right? The pressure that we bear to support 2% of their portfolio is 100% of our life. And this is where we get it wrong, right? And this is why we start to have those crazy imaginary conversations in our head where they're super mad at us, they're really upset, they tell us we owe them a bunch of things and send us off, you know, to try to take the hill by ourselves that they know we can't and we're just the sacrificial lamb. Doesn't happen. You mentioned this, you know, kind of phantom conversation. A phantom conversation that I think I had for years and years and years and years with myself that no one else was participating in, I was a crazy person, was that if I put all this sacrifice in, at some point, it would get paid back in the form of appreciation, right? If I work so hard, if you and I, we work so hard to build startups, right? And that sacrifice and everything we did to get here, the next person that comes on board you know, the next person that gets hired, right? Employee number 201 or, you know, whatever we're at now comes on board. They're just going to be overloaded with appreciation for what we've done, right? This has nothing to do with like them being good or bad people. It actually, the whole point is it's not on them at all. Here are some different, some different ways this plays out. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. One way it plays out is, Hey, we sacrificed so hard new team. You should be so appreciative for what it took to get here. Right. And, and we feel honest about that assessment, Right. Another good example, because Ryan, you and I are parents, we work so hard to give our kids this better life. So they should have this artificial appreciation for it. We get offended, right? If they don't appreciate what we've done to get <laughs> quite here. Quite literally, quite literally, we get offended. Right. Yeah. Especially as kids. Like, how would they have that context whatsoever, right? You know, we make yeah. this up. It's such a bad expectation. It's such a bad expectation. And then of all the people that we connect with, a great example, and again, I, I love to hear your response to all these, but... A great example is when we sell the company or when we raise money later on. You know, we have kind of like a company event. We say new investors came on and they just put in money. You're like, well, they'll probably take care of me for the $500,000 that I created in, in home equity debt, in personal debt, all the debts that I rung up from not paying off my student loans and all this other stuff. They'll appreciate all the times that I killed myself. They'll appreciate all the years I didn't take salary. No one cares. No uh, one cares. Nope. You're the only person that cared. And once again, you created an obligation that no one else signed up for. 
And so of those different scenarios, I'm curious, which of those rings most true to you? I mean, they, they all, they all do, right? We've experienced all of them. Um, you know, the, the parenthood one is probably the, the one that I face most often just because that's daily, right? I'm, I'm constantly sacrificing and giving and they're just constantly, you know, they're baby birds with mouth wide open, just asking for more without any pats on the back. But, um, you know, in terms of which ones are most painful, right? Like, I think... <laughs> I don't want to say I'm becoming callous to that, but I'm becoming, you know, aware enough that like, yeah, they shouldn't have any context for that. They don't know anything other than what I've given them. And therefore I'm the one that set their expectations. Again, it was a one handed handshake, right? They didn't ask for any of that stuff. They didn't ask me to build them a better life. They just have what they have. And then that's it. In the situation with investors, I think it's a bit easier because that is very transactional, right? Super transactional. I think the hardest one in my case to deal with is, is around the employees, particularly at the point of exit, right? Which I went through a situation, I've done it twice, where in the first case, everybody was very young and any money that came to them was like mana from the heavens, right? They were just like, oh my God, <laughs> like it's, it's just raining, raining money. It's free money. We did it. Um, and it didn't really matter what the check size was. Now, there were some comparisons and there were a couple of cases and, and that's where it did feel pretty awful. It was like there was no appreciation. It just turned into this check measuring contest, right? Which was like, well, why did so-and-so get and I got and right? And that really hurt, right? Because rather than like being super appreciative that like this happened at all, Right. And all of the sacrifice that I put in, especially in that business early on when it was just me for a long time, just grinding away, building clients, building the product, doing it all by myself. It was like, man, like the fact that you got anything should be a huge surprise and you should feel great about that. And instead you're bickering over whose check was bigger. Right. Yeah. And just so like that was a tough one. Right. But as we've discussed today, I didn't set any expectation for them. And I didn't ask them to be obligated to any of that sacrifice. I didn't explain all of the things that I didn't even sit them down and tell them, son, here's what it took to get us to where we are today, right? Never happened, right? It was just, hey, can you come on and develop like this? Hey, can you design this? Hey, I'll pay you this for that, right? And I'll give you this much equity. That was the contract. That was the deal. Anything outside of that, I have zero right to have expectation, right? And here's the other thing about it. What is that appreciation going to buy you? Right. It's, it's just it is weird validation that you're expecting, right? <laughs> yeah, it has the same. I, you know, I, I analogized it once to the, the stickers that you get on a helmet for outstanding play in football. Right. So it has the same value as those actual stickers. Right. The accomplishment getting there was the value. Right. That's the validation. That sticker is worth four and a half cents. Right. And that's what the applause and that's what the appreciation, not that it's not that it doesn't feel good. Right. Of course, it feels good. And, and, and validation always does. Right. But if that's why we're doing this and that's what our expectation is, then make it part of the contract. Be like, hey, and by the way, if we do this, you're going to clap for me and you're going to thank me. Right. And that's in your employment contract. <laughs> like, otherwise, why would they? We'll stick with that. I think if we have an expectation of a contract to be fulfilled and we haven't put that down in, in writing, right, something that, that another party can review in the same way we have and agree to. Here's what here's what I'm saying that. The part that I mentioned earlier, where we say, hey, I'm going to have invested all of this time and I'm going to, you know, put myself in debt and I'm going to, you know, kill my health and et cetera. And later on, when either we get acquired or again, there's some event that somebody will come and top me up, right? You know, part of that discussion must be, 
that they're like, hey, Ryan, how much time did you put into this? And how much cash are you set back? Let's talk about that balance. Let's make sure that, you know, that all gets taken care of. You know, we obviously recognize the time you put into that and, and we should we should top that up. That never happens. And yet in our minds, we keep thinking that all of that sacrifice will get recognized and repaid. And the truth is no one cares. They don't even know. They didn't know, right? You're talking about a written contract. Like it would help to even say some of it out loud, right? Again, like so much of this is based on, predicated on these internal dialogues that we have with the egos of these other people that we've made up in our own heads. And then we have these expectations around it. It'd be like sitting in a restaurant and going, uh, excuse me, where's my soup? You didn't order the soup, sir. Oh, well, you know, we talked about it in my head, like you and I <laughs> had this conversation that I, I wanted soup. So like, you know, why would we have this expectation that anybody would out of the blue, A, feel obligated to do anything for us and B, do the thing that we actually wanted them to do without us implicitly telling them, right? It's as insane as it sounds, right? If I had never told my kids that like making a bed is a thing, do you think they ever would have woken up one day and be like, you know what? I should probably make this really flat and smooth again. And just like, it wouldn't. Cause it's just so beautiful. Right, yeah, because they care nothing for that, right? Doesn't matter to them, doesn't change their day at all to the negative, right? So they're not gonna come up with this on their own. So if we want things to happen as founders, just like anywhere else in our business, we have to be the driving force behind it. If we're not the driving force behind it, which is setting those expectations, letting people know they are obligated, if that is in fact a fair obligation, that's on us, nobody else. Nobody else is going to invent the obligation and deliver on it and just be like, surprise, here you go, Ryan. I'm here to make you feel better. Like, wow, that's amazing. That's exactly how it went in my head when you and I talked without you and I talking. This is amazing, best day ever. Never gonna fucking happen, right? Think of all those different aspects of what we've chained ourselves to. Yeah. We've chained ourselves to this future payout that we're going to get from this, you know, apparently benevolent acquirer slash investor or, you know, wealth creation person that's going to somehow magically come in genie style, repay us for, you know, all of our sacrifice. I was picturing the startup fairy godmother, right? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Does not exist, right? And in and, and the history of everything that I've seen, and I've seen a lot, I've never seen that happen, right? And yet we're all kind of convinced that that's, you know, part of the contract on the side of all the constituents that are already part of this thing, right? I can guarantee you if they get a better offer, right? They are gone, right? There's, there's no kind of like massive loyalty, again, that you've invented, right? This contract that doesn't exist, right? If, if one of our team members gets a better job offer elsewhere, they're just going to leave, right? They're not going to be like, oh, you know, boy, I, I really like Will and Ryan so much that, you know, I'm just you know, willing to sacrifice my career, not advance it anymore. And look, that sometimes happens, right? And that's cool. But there's also a contract in their mind that if I do that, you know, if I'm loyal to them, that they'll repay me. Uh, kind of worth having that conversation too, right? Yeah, as an employer, I'd like to have that conversation because I don't want you killing yourself in creating a contract in your mind that I didn't sign off on. Right. Because and I don't you're going to be mad at me when I don't fulfill that I didn't know I yeah, was supposed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Implied contracts are a really bad thing, just in general, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they are, they are. And so, Ryan, here's what I would say. If we're at a point in our startup and we're saying, this startup is killing me, right? It's no longer healthy for me. Or maybe the startup's fine, right? It's doing fine, but I'm just ready to go do something else. The moment we invent this shackle, which is usually right around the time we start the company and it continues to grow, we have to stop at some point. We have to zoom out. And say, number one, 
The shackle doesn't exist, which is a tough thing to understand. Number two, the people who we think are maintaining that shackle don't feel the same way. And number three, if any of those people actually felt that way, that they felt like, like we should put ourselves in a leveraged position, ruin our health, our wealth, our relationships, et cetera, those aren't actually the people that we wanna be in business with to begin with. And of course we don't owe them anything. All right, so that was fun, but let's actually keep this conversation going. You've heard what we think about this, but you know, Ryan and I would really like to hear what you think. And we're online like all day long, pretty much talking about every startup topic you could think of from fundraising to customer acquisition to just really how to get all of this crazy startup stuff out of your head. And there's tons of other founders just like you. They're weighing in on these topics. So you'll get a chance to just hang out and meet some really smart founders. We're also super, super easy to find. You head over to groups.startups.com and let Ryan and I hear what's on your mind. Let's get to know each other a little bit and let's just start having more of these conversations. 